0: Hello and welcome to the Homes Politicast, where you get Michigan news and local opinions. I'm Thomas. And I'm Jim. Today we'll be talking about a U.S. District Court decision blocking Michigan's Medicaid work requirements. The Michigan Senate passing legislation limiting Governor Whitmer's bonding proposal and Michigan's
1: economic development. Jim, what are you going to be covering today? A new law which will allow people to give haircuts in Michigan without being fined, Senator Peter Lucido being fired for committee, and Gretchen Whitmer endorsing Joe Biden for president.
0: All right, well, let's jump into our first article. This one is from MLive. U.S. District Court blocks Michigan's Medicaid work requirements. The article is by Julie Mack. It starts off, a federal judge in Washington, D.C. has issued a partial summary judgment blocking Michigan's new Medicaid work requirements based on a higher court's decision on similar requirements in other states. Today's ruling means Michigan cannot enforce the work requirements which went into effect January 1st. The decision by U.S. District Judge James, we're going with Bowesburg, was termed a great victory by Governor Whitmer who requested the summary judgment in a court filing last month. Whitmer's administration had previously urged the legislature to hold off on implementing the requirements while legal challenges were pending. I asked the legislature to pause because we knew this was going to happen, and they wouldn't, she said. I'm grateful that the decision came in such a timely way so that we haven't created a lot of unnecessary anxiety and waste of taxpayer dollars. Republican lawmakers have defended the law, which was passed in 2018 and signed into law by former Governor Rick Snyder. It requires able-bodied adults receiving Medicaid under the Healthy Michigan Plan must do 20 hours per week or 80 hours per month of workforce engagement, which is things like going to school or working. Amber McCain, spokesperson for Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, said he was, quote, disappointed but not surprised by this ruling, end quote. The majority leader's support for the policy has not wavered, she said. He sincerely believes it is necessary to help people lead healthy lives and reach their highest personal productivity. Senator Shirkey is committed to working with the federal government to forge a path forward to maintain the goals of the work engagement policy. So this relates to an article we talked about last week, and we covered it in depth in the opinion segment, Uh, We'll probably be covering a little bit more at this week's opinion segment because it's in the news again. Jim, you want to bring us one of your headlines?
1: Sure. Giving a friend a manicure or haircut is illegal in Michigan. This is according to the Michigan Capitol Confidential. You're breaking the law if you cut the hair of another person in Michigan without the government's permission, even if it's for a friend or family member, and even if there's no charge. An aunt cutting her nephew's hair? Illegal. A girlfriend giving her boyfriend a trim? Not, not allowed. And teenage girls giving each other manicures? They're all committing misdemeanor crimes according, under Michigan law. That's according to the state statutes imposing licensure requirements on barbers and cosmetologists. The law states, quote, An individual shall not perform any form of cosmetology services, with or without compensation, on any individual other than a member of his or her immediate family, without a license under this article, end quote. Barbers were one of the first professions on which the state of Michigan imposed license restrictions. The requirements are stringent. Getting a barber's license here requires an individual to take 1,800 hours of classroom and practical training, and that's down from 2,000 hours required a few years ago. These are among the nation's most restrictive occupational licensure mandates in terms of the number of training hours required. It is nearly eight times the number required to get a New York license, to cite one example. And that's after the would-be practitioner has paid in the neighborhood of $12,000 to $20,000 in tuition to a barber school, according to Damon Dorsey, president of the American Barber Association. Dorsey told Michigan Capital Confidential, The amount of time and debt associated with becoming a licensed barber, has led to more unlicensed people providing the service illegally in their homes. The facts back this up. In 2018, there were 83 complaints filed with the state against barbers, and most of them were complaints about someone operating without a license. The ABA has gotten countless complaints from students on the cost of barbering school and time it takes to get a barber's license, Dorsey said. As it is, Many people forego getting a barber's license and just cut hair in their kitchen and basement as they refuse to be strapped down by debt and spend two years of their lives qualifying for a barber's license. Dorsey said that it takes the average person one and a half to three years to become a barber, and he called the classroom requirements out of date. Most barbers will agree that it should not take 1,800 hours of practice to become a barber, he said, 40 to 80 hours should be sufficient, especially if continuing education is available. Also, technology makes it possible for students to take classes online, which should make it much easier to speed up the process. To put those numbers in context, the training hours to be a barber are several times more than the number required to become a licensed home builder, auto mechanic, or emergency medical technician. Several bills have been recently introduced to cut back on the barbering mandates, Senate Bill 691, introduced by Senator Wayne Schmidt and Senator Ken Horne, a Republican from Frankenmuth, would allow apprenticeship hours to cover the training requirements. State Representative Stephen Johnson, from Wayland introduced House Bill 5438, which would eliminate the state requirement that individuals get a license before being able to become a barber. Quite simply, state government has a thousand better things to do Then tell barbers how to cut hair, Johnson said in a press release. This license is an unnecessary regulation and does nothing to protect public safety.
0: All right. When you first told me about that article, I was a little skeptical. But uh, no, that sounds like a great topic that we can discuss more fully in the opinion segment. Uh, I know as you were talking, I had a few thoughts on it, and I was getting pretty excited to actually uh, get into... (laughs) Some of the discussion here, but we'll wait. We'll we'll save it for Friday and everybody gets to hear all my wacky opinions. <laughs> Alright. So moving on. So this next article is by David Eggert from the Center Square and it's titled, Bill Seeks to Block Whitmer's three point five billion dollar bonding plan. So we've talked about this quite a bit on the show, especially going through our opinion segments and so this has been an ongoing battle. That we've been seeing between Governor Whitmer and the legislature trying to figure out what the heck's going to be going on with these roads. So the article starts off, Michigan Senate passed legislation Wednesday that would limit Governor Gretchen Whitmer's 3.5 billion dollar bonding proposal. Senator Roger Victory, Republican from Hudsonville, sponsored Senate Bill 716. The bill seeks to require the State Transportation Commission tell the House and Senate a minimum of 30 days before it plans to borrow more than a hundred million dollars, or issue over that amount in transportation bonds. Under the bill, the legislature could reject those bonds within 30 days via concurrent resolution. This reform would reestablish necessary checks and balances when it comes to how we prioritize the use of taxpayer dollars. Victory said in a statement, "Michigan is currently spending over two hundred million dollars each year on transportation bond payments." But the governor has decided to add even more to our state debt by issuing $3.5 billion in bonds, which will cost Michigan families more than $5 billion to pay off. The rest of the article is pretty straightforward. Obviously, Whitmer is not a big fan of this bill. A Whitmer spokesperson told the center square that the governor's office opposes Senate Bill 716. So we'll keep you guys up to date on everything that's going on with that. You know, whether, whether Whitmer gets her $3.5 billion in funding for 8% of the roads, we're, we're going to find out. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Jim, you want to bring us your next headline?
1: Yes, this one, this headline's from the Detroit Free Press, and it reads, Senator Lucido fired from committee ordered to take training after harassment investigation. An internal investigation of State Senator Peter Lucido, conducted after several women lodged sexual harassment complaints against him, has concluded that the Shelby Township Republican engaged in inappropriate workplace behavior. The investigation concluded that Senator Lucido's conduct demonstrates an unfortunate pattern of behavior that requires little to no interpretation to be understood as inappropriate workplace behavior the investigators concluded in a report turned over to Senate leadership. As a result of the report, Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky has removed Lucido from the Advice and Consent Committee, where he served as chairman, and ordered the McComb County lawmaker to participate in additional workplace training. The committee reviews appointments made by Governor Whitmer and in recent weeks has rejected two of her appointments to the National the Natural Resources Commission. Lucido will remain as the chairman of the powerful Judiciary Committee and member of the Elections and Ethics and Oversight Committees. We place a high priority on ensuring the Senate is a safe work environment. We endeavor to foster a culture where senators, staff, and members of the public feel comfortable and secure to interact with one another, free from inappropriate behavior, Shirky said in a statement. We have a responsibility to be aware of how our words and actions are received, regardless of intent or interpretation. We take accusations of inappropriate behavior in the workplace very seriously. It is my sincere hope that this experience will help serve as motivation for us all to do better and be better in our personal interactions and our public discourse. Senator Mallory McMorrow, who issued one complaint, said she thought the investigation was incredibly fair and thorough. It's validating to know that your reports were taken seriously and considered credible, she said. My hope is that it gives more women comfort in knowing that you have recourse and a path forward. Things have already started changing in Lansing, McMurray said. She said she has had frank discussions with male colleagues on the issue of workplace behavior. And one female lobbyist told her, quote, that people are going out of their way to be cognizant of how they're physically interacting with people, She's noticed significantly more handshakes and less hugs and kisses on the cheek. Lucido did not return phone and text messages from the free press to comment on the investigation.
0: All right, thank you for that, Jim. We'll uh, we'll be discussing that one definitely more fully in our opinion segment. That's a case that we've been keeping our eye on. So our next article comes from the website Mighty Michigan. So Mighty Michigan is a pretty good source of information that I've found... They describe themselves as a nonpartisan organization. They don't focus on candidates or elections at any level. They say we welcome everyone that is focused on taxpayer issues that impact family budgets, quality of government services, and wasteful spending, regardless of party affiliation. And I pulled one of their articles called Michigan's Personal Income Growth Beats Every Surrounding State since passing right to work. So this has a bit a controversial uh, subject. I know there were many people not in favor of right to work. So the article says, Michigan has been home to the best economic growth in the region over the past decade. And it's clear tax and labor reforms have helped drive that success. Case in point, since Michigan's right to work law took effect in March 2013, Michigan's personal income growth has outpaced every surrounding state, even after accounting for a recent slowdown due to the auto workers' strike. Data from the Bureau of Economic Analysis shows Michigan personal income has jumped nearly 30% since 2013, beating out Wisconsin at 28.7%, Indiana at 27.1%, Ohio at 26.2%, and Illinois at 24.8%. Michigan should look to what drove its last decade of success to chart a course for the future, locking in gains and spurring further growth. Michigan has an opportunity to lock in additional tax reforms now that the government revenues are strong. Unfortunately, Governor Gretchen Whitmer has signaled support for a progressive income tax hike. Progressive taxes are a strategy that other states have been rejecting and that damage the economy in Connecticut. The only state to move to the system in the past 30 years. One Michigan activist group is pushing to get a $1.5 billion progressive income tax hike on the ballot in 2020. The only other state in the region moving toward a more progressive income tax scheme is Illinois. Whitmer has also advocated for a major increase in Michigan's gas tax to fund more road construction. Michigan has been funding updates to its transportation network with general fund sources, so any gas tax increase should be coupled with an equivalent decrease in the state's sale tax rate so that Michigan taxpayers are not paying more in total taxes. While it makes sense to fund roads with a motor fuel taxes, it does not make sense to hit Michiganders with a tax hike. So I'm gonna read this entire thing. The, the article goes on to, talk about further Michigan tax changes and tax reforms and the slow growth in the auto industry and how that you know factors in but I thought it was a really good piece um, just one that I definitely wanted to cover especially you know in the opinion segment I know we talked about that the graduated income tax like last week um, so this is a good follow-up piece for that so I'm looking forward to talking more about that. Uh, Jim, you want to bring us your last article?
1: Yes, this one also comes from the Detroit Free Press. It's Whitmer endorses Joe Biden for president and joins his national campaign. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer on Thursday endorsed former Vice President Joe Biden for the Democratic national nomination, adding to Biden's momentum ahead of Michigan primary next Tuesday. He's got my enthusiastic support and my vote on Tuesday, Whitmer said, on the Morning Joe program on MSNBC. Whitmer is also joining the Biden campaign as one of four national co-chairs the Biden campaign announced. Whitmer has repeatedly said she is unlikely to or had no plans to announce an endorsement ahead of the primary, but that changed after Biden's strong performance on Super Tuesday. On Morning Joe, Whitmer cited Biden's support for expanded health care under the Affordable Care Act, and his support for the auto industry bailout during the Great Recession. She also said he is the best candidate to focus on getting things done and the dinner table issues she believes were key to her own election success in 2018. On health care, Whitmer cited her own struggles dealing with health insurers when her late mother was ill with brain cancer 18 years ago. That's personal to me, and I commiserated with Joe about that, she said, noting that Biden lost his son, Beau, to brain cancer. Whitmer said 700,000 Michigan residents have obtained expanded Medicaid coverage under the Affordable Care Act, signed into law under former President Barack Obama. When Michigan needed help, Barack Obama and Joe Biden had our backs, she said. Whitmer's earlier comments that she was unlikely to endorse before the primary were made when several Democrats were seen as having a realistic chance of winning the nomination. Super Tuesday recast the Democratic contest as a race between Biden and Vermont independent senator Bernie Sanders. Respectively, they represent the moderate and the more progressive wings of the party. Michael Joyce, a spokesman for the Republican National Committee, criticized Whitmer as the perfect example of a tax and spend big Democrat or big government Democrat. Her endorsement of Biden proves once again there is no such thing as a moderate 2020 Democrat, Joyce said. Whitmer, an attorney and former Senate minority leader from East Lansing, took office in January 2019 and has a growing national profile after delivering the Democratic response to President Donald Trump's State of the Union address in February. Asked whether she is concerned about alienating supporters of Sanders with her endorsement, Whitmer told the Free Press that she has a great deal of respect for Senator Sanders. This is a diverse party, she said. What unites us is the fact that we are always working to expand health care access for Americans. That's what sets us apart. Biden plans to v- visit Detroit on Monday, and Sanders plans to, v- to visit Detroit on Friday and Grand Rapids on Sunday.
0: I kind of wanted to go to that Sanders rally, but it's during small group time, and I don't <laughs> think my MAGA hat would be welcome there. And, uh, it'd just be a mess. Oh, I shouldn't say that on the news segment, should I? <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> oh, well. They all know. All right. So, thank you so much for joining us for this week's news segment. Um, uh, um, um, um. Remember how we were going to do the uh, Michigan Constitution? Oh, yeah. I remember during that. During the news segments. Remember that? I Was do remember that now that you mention it. Long days ago when we did stuff that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Let's pull it up and uh, do a little constitution reading this week because that would be fun. All right, so I'll give a quick recap of what we went over. We went over, so we're in Article 1, the Declaration of Rights. Uh, We've talked about political power, equal protection, and discrimination, assembly, constitution, instruction, petition, freedom of worship and religious beliefs and appropriations on that, freedom of speech and of the press, bearing of arms, and military power being subordinate to civil power. So we're just gonna keep going from there. So Article 1, Section 8, quartering of soldiers, says no soldier shall in a time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner or occupant, nor in time of war, except in manner prescribed by law. So basically, the government can't order people to go into your home. They can't, you know, just stay there especially in times of peace and times of war, there's some manners in which they can do that. But you are, you are the owner of your own property. The government can't force you to use your property to you know, take care of soldiers.
1: Jim, you want to go ahead with number nine? Slavery and involuntary servitude. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, unless for the punishment of crime, shall ever be tolerated in this state.
0: I think that one's pretty straightforward. I
1: I don't know what else I could add. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can't have slaves. No, as much as you want to. Yeah.
0: you can't have yeah. slaves. No slaves, unfortunately. Um, and unless unless uh, unless for the punishment of crime. Right. Unless yeah. they're being
1: held, like you can make them. So
0: technically, there is a loophole there. I can, I can. Uh, yeah. We're getting into dangerous water. Okay. <laughs> Wait, this is not the opinion <laughs> section. Yeah, we gotta yeah. stop. <laughs> we gotta remember that. Okay. So section 10, attainer ex post facto laws, impairment of contracts. So no bill of attainer, ex post facto law, or law impairing the obligation of contracts shall be enacted. Okay, so bill of attainder, for anybody who doesn't know, maybe maybe me, maybe not, Mm. uh, it is an act of legislature declaring a person or group of persons guilty of some crime and punishing them. Often without a trial. Oh. So you can't just... Round up l- people. Yeah. Yeah. The legislature can't say, okay, this is all of a sudden a crime. All you people are guilty mm. of it. Yeah. Uh, we're punishing you now. Mm. That is not a thing. Ex post facto laws. Those are laws being applied to people after the fact.
1: Yeah. Retroactive laws.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Retroactive laws are not allowed...
1: So they can't today say that like smoking is illegal and then arrest you because you smoked yesterday. Okay. You yeah. Know, you can't. You weren't breaking the law when you smoked because you were. It was illegal. Yeah. You can't just say, well, now it's illegal, so anybody who's ever smoked can go be in prison now.
0: All right, and laws. Ooh, that was weird. Or laws impairing the obligation of contract. It seems to me you cannot make a law that stop someone from filling a contract?
1: I think that's what it means. You can't, I, I would so, guess um, if it's from the government, it probably means like, you can't say they're not bound by the contract. Like, uh, you know, I, like if you make a deal with somebody they can't, the court can't say, no, nope, we're gonna nullify that contract. Okay. Um, you know, like if you owe somebody money, hypothetically. I'm making all these guesses. It's probably someone's gonna take my legal advice. I'm like, what? Huh? Someone's gonna take my legal advice. I'm like, Jim said it was. Uh, Jim said <laughs> yeah, that's what. Awesome. Yeah, And I'm not like, lawyers, I didn't so say that. That was my guess. I don't know what that means. So yeah, we're gonna look it up. Yeah, you know, we'll have
0: to skip over that one for now because I'm not exactly sure what it means, and uh, I'm not having any luck with searching. So, I guess we'll move on. This one's yours, isn't
1: it? Number eleven. Oh yeah.
0: All right.
1: Searches and seizures. This is not the seizure, like an epileptic seizure. No. No. The person, houses, papers, and possessions of every person shall be be secure from unreasonable searches and seizures. No warrant to search any place or to seize any person or things shall issue without describing them, nor without probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation. The provision of this section shall not be construed to bar from evidence in any criminal proceeding any narcotic drug firearm bomb explosive or any other dangerous weapon seized by a peace officer outside the curtilage of any dwelling house in the state kind of different language i'm used to yeah the curtilage yeah, i'm not sure what that means
0: so the first part obviously yeah. You know, cops can't just say, we think you've got this, we're coming in to look. Right. Uh, they can't get a warrant on, um, we think that they've got something, you mm-hmm. know, ready to go in there.
1: You have to have some probable cause that yeah. think there's some kind of a crime being committed.
0: Yeah, or be able to describe,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I said, uh, no warrant to search any place or to seize any person or things shall issue without describing them, so... Right, they've got to have a description of what they're looking for. Right, they can't just say, "Hey, we think you've got you know you've got illegal stuff in your house." Yeah, you know, come in and blanket anything that they find. Right, you nor know, without probable cause, you know, support mm-hmm. by oath or affirmation. So, I think the second part is just saying you cannot use this to bar from evidence. I think the second part is saying if the cops go in looking for something. Mm-hmm. And they find a bomb or an explosive or other dangerous weapons that that will not be exempt. Right. Because they weren't looking for it.
1: That's what I think, too.
0: But only if there's, looks like if if there's criminal proceedings involving those things. Right. So they can't just say, oh, we think you've got, you know, a rocket launcher in there. We're going to go in there and take it. Right. If they, if you're... I don't want to say this absolutely, but it looks like if you if you're involved in a case where a gun was used, they go in looking for something else. They find another gun, or they find something you're not supposed to have in your house. Mm-hmm. I think that would be where they're like, "Ah, no, we can use that as evidence, even though we didn't, you know, we didn't know for a fact that you had it, or right? We, you know, we found that and it's related to your case. So, mm-hmm. I think that's just a. Uh, part in there saying but the government does have some rights for search and seizure. Right.
1: If if they're investigating something else and then they come across a meth lab, you can't say your warrant said you were looking for yeah. this. And you can't you can't arrest me for making meth. Yeah. And they said no 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 that that's exempt. I mean, we come in here looking for this just because we didn't have a warrant to look for a meth lab and we find a meth lab doesn't mean that you know, you, we can't hold you because you know because we didn't have an exact, you know, we're looking for meth. <laughs> exactly. You know, so, yeah, I think I think that's what – I'm almost I'm positive you're right about that. That's what they're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, at least I'm hoping that's what – you know, we need a lawyer to come and explain we all do. We
1: do. We do. We need to bring in a lawyer. I don't I, – I, I bet we could find somebody.
0: We, we'll have to see about that. Yeah. All right. So habeas corpus is the next one. Uh, The privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless, in case of rebellion or invasion, the public safety may require it.
1: I know it's Latin for, like, you have the body. So I think it means you have to have a reason for locking people up. You can't just lock them up because we suspect you might be doing something. You have to have actual, you have to be charged with an actual crime.
0: That sounds about right. So habeas corpus is the writ requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into court, especially to secure the person's release, unless lawful grounds are shown for their detention. So you yeah, right. It has to be a crime. Yep. All right. So we'll be back next week with more articles. So yeah, give us feedback. Email the show. If you heard anything that we got wrong, we'd love the correction. Our email is straightnewsforyou at gmail.com. That's all one word, all lowercase. And remember to subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to this. Give us a rate, and we will see you on Friday for the opinion segment. Thanks for listening.